Welcome back to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I have our in-house professional connector, headhunter, and unicorn slayer, Lana Bradshaw. Welcome back to the pod to riff on the current landscape of recruitment. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm grateful for this conversation, and I have prepared a little warm-up um, based on a previous exercise that we did, because I am not sure this will be the most um, positive, the most blue sky. We're here to talk about the truth and the reality of recruitment. And the reality is it's also summer. So let's start with a summertime warm-up and then get into, hey, what's happening in the land of recruitment? Sound good? Sounds great. So we're going to talk about summer picnics. And I want to talk about what you're packing in your picnic basket. Um, <laughs> so my first is a this or a that. Do you, you want to go to the beach or the grass? Grass. I you love want- the beach too, but <laughs> the grass is a bit more peaceful. Mm. I, I would agree with you. I'm here for the grass because less sand, more better for me. My, my two cents. Um, pickleball or bocce ball? Bocce ball, 100%. Have you picked up the pickleball paddle yet? No, but it is in my basket for Jack. He's finishing grade three very soon. And that's going to be his congratulations on graduating grade three gifts. Oh, that's so excellent. I was going to say, Mama Bear, the pickleball market is hot. Like It's this hot. Is a, it's hot. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. I want to know the three things that are also, other than Jack's new pickleball racket, what are the three things that you pack for every picnic? Sunscreen. Oh. Your girl burns mighty quick. Snacks, always. And like a plethora of snacks. <laughs> There's always a variety. Uh, and when I say snacks, I also include wine. And number three is a book. A book. Well, that's the last question, which is, what is your um, number one summer read recommendation? There's no way you can ask me to do one. That's unfair. (laughs) Very cruel. Um, I am reading Outlive, which is Mm. very good. And... You know, we'd have to do a whole separate podcast. Honestly, I have so many books on hold of the library, which I also got from your recommendation from your last podcast Mm -hmm. guest. And he recommended Burn the Boats. Mm. Yeah. Can we link it? Yeah, yeah, of course. We'll make sure your top three book choices are linked below. Um, Yes. I'm I'm sorry. I'm ill-prepared. Yes. No. So fantastic. Yeah. Well, I talk about picnics and I love to know these things and it's it's never obvious. I'm like, gosh, I need to put some sunscreen in these bags before I leave town. (laughs) This is important. Um, By town, I mean, leave my house and go to the grass patch for a picnic because I think it's the season of simple pleasures. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hopefully the summer of um, simple, wholesome opportunities to connect with people in the most real way possible 
And I asked to get on your calendar to record this because I'll share that I had one week where seven people reached out to negotiate severance packages and three founders said, I just want to shut the door. I'm done. Um, can you help me find a job? Which I have said, ouchie. And mm-hmm. it brings me, I also spoke with two different recruiting firms who said, our taps have turned off. Like what is going on? And I was like, got it. We need to have a, a real life conversation of what are you seeing? What is happening in the landscape of recruiting right now, today, in June of 2023? Well, Q1 was fantastic for us. Uh, it was really strong. And Q2 has slowed slightly. What I'm seeing is a lot of trepidation with companies and uncertainty. It's There's no clear way And I think that that's breeding fear. And so when we're afraid, we just freeze. And that's what I'm seeing is a lot of clients saying, we want to move forward. We want to hire, but we're just not exactly sure what's happening right now. Can you talk to me in September? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's interesting because everything in life is about mentality and your perspective. And so if you're looking out there and you're looking for fear, you're going to find it. And if you decide that you want to look for positivity and opportunity to snag all this talent that's been let go from the tech space, now's the time. And so I think that for you, for sure, you always have this abundance of optimism and I like to follow suit. It's just a matter of who is hiring and where can we look? Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality that I choose to have every single day. So the market right now is a little still. Mm-hmm. but we we do have work and mm-hmm. there are opportunities. And I think it's just a matter of looking at the right sectors to find the job that you want. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the perfect segue because I want to flip it to, well, and I just so echo, you know, it really feels frozen, um, which is a bit of a, uh, what's the word? It's like a contradiction right now while we have Mm -hmm. our climate burning Mm -hmm. and we have fires and we have companies and leaderships really frozen, um, paralyzed Mm -hmm. in many respects. Uh, And I'm wondering if on the flip side, you can share what's the candidate experience right now and how are candidates feeling that are either, you know, currently employed and looking for work or that have been on the market, be it for some time, um, What's, what's the candidate experience? Candidates right now that have been laid off are enjoying the beginning of summer. And they've been very frank about, I got a package, I'm out for the summer, again, it hit me in the, in, the, in the fall. And to that, I say, great, you know, enjoy your downtime. I'm hearing a lot of burnout from people in the tech space. And the other thing I'm hearing is, come to me when you have something that's really juicy. So mm. I, I feel exhausted. I feel betrayed from my layoff. I feel a little lost. I feel in transition. And so I'm going to recalibrate and reassess. And I still want to hear from you. So let me know when you find my dream job. Here's the nirvana. Here's what I want to hear from you. If it's the A, B, or C, which I think is great. Uh, If you're in a position where you can just pause and reassess your values and find perfect alignment, then fantastic. That's a real privilege. The other thing I'm hearing is I'm looking around, especially in the C-suite, and 
six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, I could apply for a job and work remotely. And now what I'm seeing is employers saying, we want to hire local talent. There's no more work from home business. If you were with us before the pandemic and you've been working from home all along, we will grandfather that your situation will remain the same. All new talent will be local. We would want you to be in office and everyone else is working remote that is local can come in once or two times a week. And I think that's really interesting too, because during the pandemic, when we were recruiting, we were competing on a global scale because everyone was working remotely. And now I'm seeing it shift back to the way that it was before, which is if you're a Vancouver-based organization where we are, we want to have all of our new talent in Vancouver. We're no longer open to anywhere within North America, which I think is great for the local economy. Yeah, exhale. It's great for the local economy. It means so many different things. And it, you know, is a almost a separate podcast or conversation on what do we think <laughs> about remote work. And yes, it's just so funny, even as you say grandfathered in, and I'm mindful of like, what is old school? And what is grandfather? Mm-hmm. And what pieces of grandfathering make sense or not? And I always hear you say, you know, you give a child a laptop or you give a child an iPad and how do you take it back? And Mm -hmm. I also ask like, is it the best thing for our mental health? And is it the best thing for our planetary health? Like, should Mm -hmm. people really be commuting? And because the other piece is like, if they're not local, they end up flying in and out. And I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. that all of these situations are, are ideal. And yet, I'm, I'm, you know, you and I are only in the impact of them. We aren't, we don't get to make those choices. Um, we, we follow suit and do what we're told. So, um, yeah, relocation packages seem to be back on the table, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. I did want to go back though, to what you mentioned about exhausted. That really Mm -hmm. feels like a vibe, um, especially from candidates. We can speak to hiring Mm -hmm. managers separately. Um, candidates feel exhausted in the search, they feel exhausted in what's yeah. possible, or they feel exhausted from a job that they might have been working a lot at previously. Mm-hmm. And when people come to me and say, I'm exhausted, or you can tell like their energy is low. I'm like, you know, if you consider interviewing akin to dating, I'm like, I don't want to go on another date with you, like up the vibration. Mm-hmm. Um what do you have to tell them? And, you know, some people want to take three weeks off and other people I feel like are in exhaustion denial, Lana. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you sense any of that? I do. And I just hear a lot of, it's a hurdle. It, you know, it's, it's really emotional to be laid off, especially if you didn't see it coming. And mm-hmm. that plays into the exhaustion. And then mm-hmm. It requires a lot of effort to not take it personally and to figure out what the next chapters are going to be. And then you have the financial stress on top of it. And then you often have to juggle your home life to accommodate you being at home. And does that mean that you have to alter childcare, et cetera? So I'm seeing that it is exhausting and it's scary and we don't have a crystal ball. We have no idea how long it's going to take for people to find a new job. You know, it's taking three to four months on average, but then mm-hmm. are you just taking a job of desperation or are you taking mm-hmm. a job because you're actually excited? And mm-hmm. it's that kind of weeding that's required and it, it takes effort and it takes time. And I think that that just makes people weary. It's the uncertainty mm-hmm. is not enjoyable for a lot of candidates that I'm speaking with. And 
what I try to say to them is this is a gift when we can get over the shock of I've been let go and I wasn't expecting it, which I'm hearing a lot and just enjoy this opportunity to change. It's a new chapter mm. and it just takes time to get into that headspace. Mm-hmm. And it can be exciting. Again, going back to the mentality piece, we can look at it with the objective of, oh my God, I've been laid off. I'm never going to find another job. I'm a loser, et cetera. I hear this often or okay, that wasn't what I expected, but now I've been given this opportunity to realign and reassess. And that can Mm -hmm. be a wonderful thing too. Mm -hmm. What is your um, recipe or secret for wrestling with uncertainty? Prioritization. So if if it was a candidate that I was coaching, I would say, what is it that you loved about your job? Mm. Let's just write it down. What is it that you think that you were excellent at? Let's write that down Mm. too. And now we have a list of things that we enjoy and that we're really great at. And on the flip side, let's create some strategies on the things you didn't like. So mm-hmm. now moving forward, when we're looking at jobs and we're reading job descriptions and we're interviewing with people, we can go back to our list of here's what I really loved, here's what I really like to do, and mm-hmm. is there alignment? Mm-hmm. And that I think can really light a fire once mm-hmm. people start interviewing with their values mm-hmm. and And that alignment, that value alignment, now they're getting their energy back. Now they're like, oh, I get job descriptions sent to me all the time from candidates, but they're like, I read this and I am stoked. Yeah. I'm applying. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for with our candidates. Yeah. Okay. Also though, um, there is, you know, you mentioned three to four months, which feels longer than previous times. Um, I can also Mm -hmm. share, you know, I've been speaking with employment lawyers and they're like, it's taking about three times longer to find work right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is impacting severance packages. And so I would also add in, like, we are in a season while this conversation is coming out that is called summer, and that adds mm-hmm. to this duration. So we have a few building blocks of, of time that require some patience. And to your point, these things do take time. And I love your lists. And I think it's so important that we do write them down, like the the neurological experience of putting pen to paper to say, I'm great at these things. I get mm-hmm. joy out of these things. I, I will do more of these things in my life, um, hopefully in my work. And while we're in this window of waiting, what can candidates, what can people be doing? How do they foster the list? How do they mm-hmm. stay inspired? Um, we might have riffed on this before, and I would just love for you to come back to like, should your job search be a nine to five? Is that productive? No, I I don't think a nine to five for a job search sounds like any fun at all. So I wouldn't suggest it. I would say try to find some balance. I mean, we have ripped on it before, but, you know, it is work to find work. So be prepared to spend a bit of time every day on that job. Your new job is to find another job. But I don't think you should be doing a nine to five. It just, that sounds no bueno. Uh, no. But I think that what you should focus on is why are you burnt out? Why are you exhausted? Was it really all about work or were you just not finding the balance? And then just spend your summer refilling your own cup whether that's landing a new job or finding something else to do that makes you feel fulfilled, that balance piece with everything in life will probably make 
the job search a little bit more smooth and definitely more fun. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. Speaking of balance, you all have also spoken of this before, and I'm wondering if you're seeing it in the market, the notion of part-time or job sharing. Are we seeing any more of that emerge right now while companies are existing in a state of frozen? I'm seeing fractional work and part-time work. I, I don't very often see job sharing, which I have said before, and I'm going to say it again, is such a missed opportunity. Um, but I'm seeing fractional roles in the C-suite because the market is a little bit stagnant right now. It's a way for companies to say, well, the work still needs to get done. We yeah. still need to make money. We still are passionate about our business. We still need to see growth. So until we figure out the lay of the land, let's bring in someone on a fractional basis or a part-time basis and then just ride out the summer and then reassess, which I also think is very smart. Mm, got it. And would you say that people looking for that, like are companies going about um, publishing or speaking about those fractional roles in the same way that they would a traditional full search? Are there different avenues to have access to those kinds of opportunities right now? I think it's more network based because it's mm -hmm. a very niche and unique market. I mean, we've been approached for fractional CEO work and I think that that's really amazing, but I think that companies are nervous about opening that door because it's still so new, the part-time mm -hmm. or contract work at that level. And I'd love to shake that up a little bit. I'd love to make mm -hmm. that more of the norm because we see so much opportunity there. We see yeah. CEOs and, and people in the C-suite all the time that are in between opportunities. They've been brought in to fix a company, make it profitable, change it, change the culture. They've done their job and now they're moving on. We see, see people in the C-suite all the time coming back to work after a sabbatical. They've done their MBA. They've had another baby. They've, mm -hmm. I've just talked to someone in the C-suite this week who fell off of a boat and broke their back, which is oh, terrible, um, <laughs> and took, you know, took 10 months off and now they're back. So like life happens, there's all these different yeah. situations. And I think that we need to remember that we're all human and work is just a part of what we do as humans. And let's just make it work. Yeah. Make it work. I um, I was curious what you were going to say because you're so tapped in and I want to plug that it feels more than ever there is something to be said about the connection, about who you're working with, about you know the things that are landing in our inbox, we're not seeing out on the internet. So I don't think things are being as widely spoken about. Um, I think people are being a little bit more um, guarded and safe mm -hmm. with some of their changes, with people changes, with people moves. And and there there is some trepidation right now, and let's call it what it is. And when there is trepidation, it means they're looking to trusted resources to help them with talent. And so I stay so optimistic and I stay, and I don't even want to say like 
toxically positive. Like I stay so truly optimistic because I know that the network that we have is so vast and considers mm-hmm. us a trusted partner. So we'll come mm-hmm. to say, we need this, we need that. We need this in September. Um, and, and that can mean that the recruiting process also starts earlier. So mm-hmm. the other kicker is what is the speed at which these things can happen? Perhaps some can happen very quickly and yet some might actually take twice as long as it once used to mm-hmm. because we're, you know, there's, there's a little bit of out of practice. There's maybe some mm-hmm. trepidation, more steps included. So mm-hmm. it is this wild relationship with time um, that seems to take longer. And yet I come back to like trust trust over everything. Um, I, I still want to know how I can be building a network during the summer months. So specifically like navigating, um, vacation time. I wanted to say navigating calendars. If I am in the market of wanting to network and it's the summer, do you say, turn the tap off? Do you stay, say, stay relevant? What is, what is your thought on that? Well, I would never say turn the tap off because it is taking longer to find work. And so you need to be doing a little bit every single day. And regardless of whether or not you're employed, you should always be networking. And I say that because I believe so strongly in networking to help you in your career and meet wonderful people. And because networking has provided so much opportunity for me, that's how I met you. That's how I've been on boards. That's how I've been involved with all of my charity work. And so I place a high value on networking. How you're doing it depends on your personality. I mean, we've coached someone recently who is an introvert and really shy and is like, you're out of your mind if you think I'm going to a networking event, let alone like asking a question to someone that's sitting on a panel. It would just never happen. So to that, I say, well, you can start in your community. You can start at your Mm -hmm. kid's school. You can start the library. You can start online. You can start on Instagram. You don't have to network in the you know traditional sense of you're going to a breakfast event at you know the convention center where there's going to be 500 people. That's something I feel comfortable doing, but not everyone is there. So just find little ways that work for you and where you're at, and then it will slowly grow and develop, which I think is wonderful. I just talked to someone recently who wants to shift careers. They were in project management and now they want to be in interior design. And she was like, how do I go from project management to interior design? And we came up with this idea that she's going to start an Instagram account specific to interior design and then slowly start inviting people on there to join her Instagram account. That's how she's building her network. She's DMing people. She's talking to them. She's asking questions. She hosted an AMA. It wasn't on camera. It was just questions. And that's how she built her network. And then now she's having coffee dates with people and she's doing a freelance project. And I think that's just one example of ways that you can network even as an introvert. Oh gosh. Yes. I mean, we could definitely riff on the neurodiversities of how people want to show up. And I think there's of course, like diagnose neurodiversities. And then I also think there are, um, I, I want to say like neuro, and it's, they're not neurodiversities. It's more like confidence kickers. So it's like, normally mm-hmm. I'm a really extroverted person. And yet this search has taken this long and it's kind of knocked my confidence and I feel more comfortable mm-hmm. being an introvert now. So how do I want to do this based on my current level of be it self-esteem or mental fortitude? And mm-hmm. so 
I think also just adapting to different ways, um, mm-hmm. knowing that know, knowing where you're at in the in the process and the journey is so important. Oh, bless. Sure. I mean, we spoke um, to someone who is neuro, who is neurodivergent just this week, and she was really rattled about this new information of having ADHD and was really concerned about how it would show up at work. And so I said, well, how does ADHD help you at work? Mm. Like, how can you harness that? And again, state of mind, flip it into your favor. And she said, I've never thought about that. Like it became an instant label and it wasn't a positive label for me. I'm an adult and we're seeing this more and more in our communities, yeah. which I think is so interesting and probably an entirely different podcast. But I have ADHD as an adult. How is this going to impact me at work? And she gave me some examples of ways that she thought she was nervous. But on the flip side, I was like, well, ADHD has made you what? She was like hyper-focused, really diligent. I'm meticulous. And I think those are wonderful things. So when she's she's planning on leaving a, her particular job and moving to something else, we geared her candidate profile to highlight all of these superpowers that are fueled by her ADHD, which I think is super cool. So cool. And that it's just the most perfect way to wrap that you started this by sharing. We can focus on fear. We can focus on scarcity. We can look for a blue Mm -hmm. sky. We can see possibility. We can take a picnic basket to the grass. We can take a picnic basket with pickleball rackets to the beach. Mm-hmm. I guess we're not playing pickleball on the beach. Um, there's something to be said about perspective during this time. And, you know, I who said it? Pema, like, you are not the weather, you are the sky. Is that the quote? Maybe it's inverted. But the notion of, like, let the weather be the weather and be the, be the universe. And so stay the course, if that means network your way, network your way. And for all the labels, like, gosh, here for the labels that say ADHD is a superpower. I am so focused. I know how to manage this label with like Mm -hmm. extreme fortitude. It's so excellent. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. We must wrap. And our last question as per always, what's making your heartbeat faster today? Oh my gosh. I have a funny story. May I share? Please. I want to leave us with a giggle. So I'm, well, it's actually a question. I'm at the gym, which as you know, is new to me this year. And I'm You're pumping doing some it. iron. I'm doing it. And the fact that I've even said pumping some iron is probably my first problem. And there is a young gentleman, I'm going to guess like 17, 18. And he's also bench pressing some we know pretty good weight and he looks over at me he's like will you spot me and i thought he was talking to this full hulk next to me who was like for sure a steroid monkey and i was like looking at him like yeah go help this guy out and he's pointed and he said no you i've seen you in here before with your son and you're a beast oh <laughs> and yes. I'm like, yeah sure I'll, I'll spot you i got and I you walk over and he fist pumps me and he says equality and I'm like, uh, this is not a quality. Like me literally standing over you to make sure that you don't hurt yourself because you're doing something that for sure is over your capacity is not a quality. <laughs> I was like, sit down, I'm going to educate you. And then he just looks at his 
friend that he's like benching with and he goes, I should have gone with the guy. (laughs) (laughs) So to answer your question, what is making my heart beat faster is those interactions, which I still find so funny. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What is making your heart beat faster is pumping iron and spotting 17 year old boys, not quite gentlemen at the gym. And I love it. I love it. Okay, we must wrap. And um, June 2023, perspective, Mm -hmm. recruitment, here for it. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. It was fun to talk to you. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.